the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece I hope you'll enjoy from my friend, Dennis Prager. All right, let's go uh, over to Israel. Michael Friedson, co-founder and editor of a spectacular news service, The Media Line. They are as as pursuant of truth as any news service I know in the world. That I know these people, and he and his wife, who have founded this, he's co-founded it with his wife. And as incredible as it sounds, they're just animated by truth. And in the Middle East, that's a big deal. So, Michael Friedson, are you in Jerusalem? Yes, sir. I'm in Jerusalem, surrounded by truth. <laughs> That's beautiful. For for from from Jerusalem shall proceed truth. Michael Friedson's uh, motto. Michael Friedson, uh, what did you think of the decision of, or what did Israelis think, either or both questions, of the decision? of uh, the Israeli government not to have the two uh, anti-Israel congresswomen visit? Well, what's getting most of the play is the fact that a lot of those people who are supportive in general, or in particular of the Netanyahu slash Trump alliance or thought process, are coming out and, and... saying that uh, although we often or always support them, this time we're not, and that gets a lot of the, the headlines. We've been interviewing people around the clock, up and down, any kind, uh, different places, uh, outside of hotels to get tourists, and we find a tremendous number of people who say, good for Israel, who say no, no country in the world has to tolerate what they were being set up for, and the words set up. We're, we're uh, figuring in it pretty uh, consistently. I think the biggest problem, the a lot of thoughtful people were upset or felt that the comment by Ambassador Dermer that preceded the, the bulk of the brouhaha was really the problem because he phrased his uh, explanation for allowing the two reps to come in terms of uh, respect for the United States, respect for Congress, respect for democracy. And it made it sound like, well, gee, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's own alter ego, Ron Dermer, is the one who set us up to, to, to be told that in no, in no uncertain terms that you can't do this. So, you know, if he's saying it already, uh, we don't have a leg to stand on, so let's just look like we're uh, in favor of the uh, Israel bashing. So tell me about his comment. Does he stand by it? Did, was he critical of the prime minister's decision? That's 
become a, a question of the hour. Uh, there were a lot of people who were very upset that the prime minister apparently tried to uh, invoke the statement or, or say that he did he wasn't authorized to make the statement. It became very very fuzzy. I think that they have issued a statement from the prime minister's office saying that he didn't say anything untoward, that uh, he was authorized to say what he did, and they're just dealing with the the, the fallout. But. You know, anybody who knows uh, Ambassador Dermer, in addition to him really being, by most counts, even people who don't like the politics, have a lot of respect for everything he's been doing as the representative of Israel and America. Uh, and a lot of what the Prime Minister, well, a lot of what comes out of the Prime Minister's mouth is, is put there by, by Ron Dermer. So, you know, you're talking about the alter ego, and you're talking about really what the Prime Minister said or would have said. Uh, as I said, you know, the, the words were that we would never do that, we being Israel, would never uh, prevent American elected officials from coming out of respect to Congress, out of respect to the United States. That was my initial uh, reaction, incidentally. I changed my mind in a day, but that was, in, 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 as it happens, and I don't expect you to know that, but that was my initial reaction. Talking about, of course, the uh, the two Congresswomen and... Uh, has it is it now quite clear in Israel that all they did by refusing to go with other Democrats, mostly Democrats and Republicans on the congressional trip earlier, refusing to go to visit her grandmother, Rashida Tlaib, that the whole purpose was to stir up anti-Israel hate? I think people that understand it do, and those that don't want to understand it don't, and never the twain shall meet. I don't really believe that anybody is changing their opinion, however they formed it, just gut reaction or or misplaced pathos or whatever they want to rely upon. But, the, uh, for instance, the itinerary that was prepared, when the congresswoman said at her press conference, that one of the errors people are making in judging them is that they were planning to go to Israel. Well, you can't tell that by any of the documents of the trip. Anybody who's ever been on a vacation trip or a business trip and has a printed itinerary tells you where you're going. And hers said she's going to Palestine. So to say that she was going to Israel and was planning to go to Israel is kind of disingenuous. And then she said that the people that she was going to meet in Israel included former soldiers and made it sound like uh, it was going to be a blue and white festival. But looking closer, the organization that she's attaching to is vehemently anti-Israel. And when we say in the Middle East anti-something, we're not saying we stand outside a building and hold up a placard. We're talking about destruction. We're talking about not being given the right to exist. We're talking about pretty heinous things that you don't really want to give that kind of thought to. And, you know, I'm an American, and it's very hard for me to look at how I grew up and compare it to how people in Israel grow up. Um, You know, my lunchbox got left in many different places many times, but my nephew who lives here, he had a lunchbox that got blown up by sappers. It's a whole different environment. And when you talk about... Uh, associating yourself with organizations that do call for the destruction of the state of Israel and the people of Israel, that's not anything to take lightly. By the way, if I may just add uh, on a personal note to my listeners, and, and 
you might find it of some interest, but you obviously know this as well, you know this rather well. But my column this week is criticism of Israel is not anti-Semitic, anti-Zionism is. That is my column. It's up at uh, Town Hall, American Greatness, DennisPrager.com, National Review, and a whole host of other places. Uh, so that uh, that hopefully deals with that. Uh, what is the election story in Israel? Muddy. Uh, most people, well, not most people, Benjamin Netanyahu has been around for a long time. This past month, he superseded David Ben-Gurion, the founding prime minister, and the longest-running show in town until Benjamin Netanyahu surpassed his record. He's going into the election having been unable to put together a governing coalition of 61 seats in the parliament or more, and that's why there's a second election on September 17th. It's the first time during his 10-year run that he's been so challenged. Uh, pretty much the the issues are Netanyahu, 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 and um, it's really a question of whether others can um, can get themselves together, choose leadership within those anti-Netanyahu ranks, and come up with enough strength to... So explain uh, this to me. This I don't know. Uh, I, I, I usually ask questions that I don't know the answer to, but this is a, certainly the case here. The, the, the opposition to Netanyahu, the, the, in other words, the strongest opposition... Not, not not fringe parties. The strongest opposition to Netanyahu, how do they differ from him with regard to the Palestinians? There's very little daylight between groups that are on the right and the left. Yes. So let me tell you something. Forgive me, forgive me, Michael. This is, there is a part of me that wants them to win to prove to the world that this this lie that, oh, we're, we're pro-Israel, we're just against Netanyahu, is a lie. They're against Israel. It has nothing to do with Netanyahu. Because I don't see this, whoever it is, who if they win, as you just said, there's no daylight between their positions. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, his strongest opposition within the ranks of the right are almost a mirror image of his policies, and it's very unlikely. As a matter of fact, they have to convince the public that their policies are like Netanyahu. You know, a couple of elections ago, we were the only shop in town that predicted Netanyahu was going to win, because every time there's an election, it's doom and gloom. He's going to get it this time. He's going to get it this time. But what people don't understand is when the pollsters ask two questions, the first question is worthless. The second question tells you everything, but they don't go through the, the routine. The first question is who you're going to vote for. Well, everybody lies. Nobody's going to give you a straight answer about that. It's irrelevant. But the second question, whose finger you want on the button? Who do you think is appropriate to be the prime minister? When people stop and think, especially in the solitude of the voting room, which is more than a booth over here, um, they they invariably choose Netanyahu. So, of course, he was going to win. Now, in order to counter that, they have a, a, a triumvirate, two of the three leaders being former Army Chiefs of Staff, again, playing the military card. Uh, the guy who was the head of that particular block has never governed a day in his life. He went from the Army directly into politics, and because of whatever, forever, whatever reason, he, he caught on and, and amassed a certain amount of strength. But 
one of his cohorts was a former defense minister, but there's, there's no governing experience amongst a bunch of them. So it's um, Netanyahu has a very strong chance of pulling it out again. Well, you heard it here, themedialine.org. Thank you, Michael Friedson. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.